1: Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It means a lot and it's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion. As in this episode, after a bit of an interlow, so of course, apologies for the lack of content in the meantime, but we are here to preview the Qatar Grand Prix. And joining me on this episode, the DNF One panel this evening, we have Lee Wallington. First of all, Lee. Good to see you. How are you doing? It's been a little while, but uh, are we ready, rested for the final chapter of the F1 season?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm looking forward to, well, hopefully be an interesting weekend, but uh, also where Max may wrap up the title, or I say wrap, may, but uh, very likely.
1: <laughs> yeah, he probably will in all, in- all purposes, of course. Um, but uh, it's a great place to start, of course. We should talk about that because... Max Verstappen now is on the verge of securing his third consecutive Drivers' World Championship, and I don't think there are going to be any arguments that he hasn't deserved it this season. But the interesting talking point is that it is very possible that he could secure this on Saturday. It's a sprint weekend. Uh, I think this is the fourth sprint race this season, if memory serves on Might get my numbers a bit mixed up. Either way, of course, we've got a cluster of sprint weekends coming our way. Of course, the next one in Austin in a couple of weeks' time as well. But Max Verstappen has the opportunity to secure the Drivers' Championship on Saturday. And it's never happened before. So I suppose the question we have to ask ourselves, Lee, first and foremost, is can Max Verstappen win a World Championship in a normal, traditional way?
0: Uh, he's got to have a very bad Saturday if he's going to win it in a traditional way way on a Sunday. Um, so it did, it's very unlikely based on his recent performance. Um, I think he'll be the first person to win it on a Saturday.
1: Yeah, maybe Max might decide to just pull over on the last lap if he's leading the sprint race. I think, you know what, I want to win the championship on a Sunday. Um, it's going to be a strange feeling, of course, because, you know, as a fan, We've been so used to this idea that the end of the Grand Prix weekend, the driver wins the world championship, whoever it is, and you know, they go on the podium, if they finish in the top three, they're celebrated. They have some special sort of things planned for the driver in particular, especially when they're able to plan for something like this. And of course, with Max Verstappen, you probably could have planned this season that he was going to win the world championship as early as Bahrain. Um it, it's been that kind of season for him. And for the purists, it's probably going to be very strange to see him possibly win this on Saturday. He only needs three points after all. And that, of course, depends on whether or not Sergio Perez can get the maximum number of points this weekend. This is the only other driver, mathematically, that can still win this world championship. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts, Lee? Are you? How do you feel about the prospect of seeing Max Verstappen, or any driver in this matter, winning the world championship before the main race on Sunday?
0: Any driver winning on the championship on a Saturday, I think, is very anticlimactic. Um, and say that because, firstly, if you've won the race on a Sunday, you'll be on the podium, yay! You're world champion, big celebrations. Out come the teammates with obviously the world championship t-shirts on. They all like to prepare when they think they, are saving for when they think they're going to win the championship. When they're obviously in the contention, which obviously Max has been. All season. Red Bull probably made those in pre-season, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Once they saw the lap (laughs) times. As soon as the car rolled out. (laughs) Um, But on the Saturday, they don't do the podium. It's just uh, the interview from the track. So you don't get any celebrations on the podium. You don't get all the team wearing the shirt, although I'm sure they'll still be wearing it, but you won't see that um, for the most part from the celebrations on the track. Um, And it'll be very, for me, it's a very down, somber not somber because it's sad, but it'd be a very somber moment because it's not the podium. It's not the Sunday. It's not the big event. And it's like, well, this is a bit uh, disappointing. It's uh, That's for me why I think it's bad to win the championship on a Saturday.
1: Yeah, I mean, this season in particular, I can imagine a lot of fans have seen a lot of races this season and considered them almost dead rubbers just because of how dominant Red Bull and Max Verstappen have been. And you're going to get the ultimate dead rubber this weekend if Max Verstappen secures the championship on Saturday. I mean, for the hardcore and the the diehard F1 fans, and there are so many more of you growing year on year at the moment, despite the fact that some reports say that the overall social media activity has gone down in a dominant season, which I'm sure is understandable, and we can talk about why that is in a separate episode. My point being is that if you're a casual fan, You're not going to necessarily watch the sprint race because you might be busy on a Saturday or you might be doing something else or it might not be of interest. to You You might just want to watch the main race and you'll turn up, you'll tune in on Sunday, whatever time, wherever you are watching around the world. And you'll probably be disappointed to hear that the one story of the season that we all look forward to towards its climax, it's already done. We already know who's going to win the world championship. I mean, as I said jokingly, in truth, we've known since Bahrain. But um, although realistically, it's probably Miami where I think we have got a real good idea, specifically who. But all jokes aside, it is a little bit disappointing um, that of the prospect, even though it will, you know, be historical and it will be is what it is. But uh, I don't know. I'm with you, Lee. I I don't like the idea of the World Championship being won on a Saturday, I'd very much rather it happen at the end of the main race on Sunday. If Max Verstappen gets the points he needs to do it or wins the race, then great. That's a nice cherry to add on top of that cake for him. But uh, it's going to be a strange one. I suppose the only people that will be delighted if he wins it on the Saturday are probably FOM or Stefano Domenicani, Ross Braun. because they're the ones pushing for sprint races all the time. And what better advertisement for sprint races then saying well look through a sprint race we crowned our first ever saturday world champion i mean they w- it sounds stupid but they will probably use that to push st- sprint races all the way to the bank quite frankly
0: yeah they probably will but it, i know it won't happen but you just imagine that um saturday it's packed they see max verstappen win the world championship and on Sunday the circuit's empty because no one's bothered turning up because oh we saw the championship <laughs> yesterday. What, what, what are we here for?
1: It's True, um, yeah.
0: I mean it won't happen because people pay a lot of money to go; they'll go for the whole weekend as an event. But oh, I just be so it'd be funny to see if that did occur.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting, and um, of course, you know, let us know in your thoughts, guys, uh, what your thoughts are regarding the prospect of seeing a world champion being crowned on a sprint rather than on the main race on Sunday I mean what have your thoughts been on the sprint races this season so far Lee I know we've only had a few I think we've only had half so far of the allotted number that we were going to get this season but do you feel that the introduction of more sprint races and in addition to that changing of the format not necessarily just for qualifying of course let's not forget about that but also the changes where the sprint race on Saturday has no impact on what happens on the Sunday's main race as last season, of course it, it wherever you finish was the qualifying order for the main race on Sunday.
0: Um, I got the, the change from last season to this season, I think has been an improvement, um, because I think it impacted too much in, um, my opinion regarding the main event. Um, but for this season, I, I mean, these sprint races have got, Slightly entertaining, but I don't rate them overall. Still, as a uh, part of the race weekend, um, they can make the the main race on the Sunday interesting, especially if you're a team that goes to set up, come wrong because you only have one session to get the setup right. Um, but for me, I like some of the drivers, like Carlos Sainz, for example. He he really thinks that if they're going to stick with the sprint race, they should do reverse grid that will make it interesting. Like, oh, the hypothetical. Could Max win from the back in this year's car? Yes, he probably could. But we won't know unless we, we try to reverse grid. But at least it would be an insane difference that makes it different to the main event on the Sunday. Um, so I, I think they should experiment a bit more and try and find something that works. Um, but for me, it's still not a, an added value um, for the, the whole... Uh, the whole weekend
1: yeah it's a tough one and I honestly couldn't give you a solution I don't think there are many people that could give you a solution that everybody would be on board with you're always going to upset some people for example I'm not the biggest fan of an idea of a reverse grid with the current crop of Formula One cars that we have I think they are still very hard to overtake when you get in the dirty air and I know that adds an element of jeopardy to the race and. It also adds an element of excitement where, you know, the the faster drivers in the faster cars will have much more of a challenge to overtake those ahead of them. I think the field spread is too close in a way to make reverse grids really work for the distance that they have to cover. If it was a full race distance, then fair enough, but it kind of defeats the objective of calling it a sprint, really, so...
0: You're going to take it's... all those victories away from Logan Sargent? That's not
1: very nice. <laughs> well, I mean, he has to finish the race, leave. If he crashes, it's not going to matter. <laughs> um, so it would uh, probably, I'm just trying to think who would be next. I'll probably be Joe and Bottas at the moment, way things are going. But uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, we do love you, Logie Sarge. Uh, all jokes aside. But um, yeah. I preferred the format last year. I like the idea of sprint races feeding into the main race. And I know some people were saying, well, you know, some drivers would back off because they don't want to risk jeopardizing their cars for the race on Sunday if they weren't fighting for any positions that offered points. And I would say, well, I get that. But I still felt there was enough there to entice people to fight for a better grid spot on Sunday. Now that they've taken that out of the window, you almost get to a point where if you're not in the top eight or anywhere near that, you literally just back off save the car save the components race on Sunday so for me I, I still think that this stuff that has to be done to try and tweak sprint races to make them better I just don't know what that is quite frankly I would rather than revert to what they were doing last year but that's probably as good a good suggestion as I have and, and 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 like you say Lee you weren't a big fan of what it was last year so you know what do I know in that regard um, but we'll have to wait and see. Let us know in the comments your thoughts on sprint races, guys. Are you a fan of them? Um, or would you like to see them make a change or get rid of them altogether? Let me know. Um, next topic of discussion, of course, we should focus on the other Red Bull seat again. Uh, first things first, of course, Lee, we should extend our congratulations to Sergio Perez, uh, birth of a lovely baby girl he shared on Instagram with his partner. Uh, you know, it's always lovely to see. Someone went as far as saying, oh, that's probably not the best time for Sergio Perez to have a new child because there might be fears that he might be already distracted uh, in addition to everything else that's going on. But in a way, it might be a nice calming influence for him. You know, that euphoria I imagine that parents get of having a new child in a way that could probably take away the stresses and pressures of the current situation he finds himself in in Formula 1 and prove to be a nice distraction where it might calm him a little bit and allow him to just... Do what he does best really and it's been a while since Perez has probably done that on a racetrack
0: yeah um, well obviously congratulations for him it, hopefully it's more of a reset for him than a an extra distraction because um, obviously he, he, need, he needs to keep recovering his form he's made some improvements until Suzuka where it just sort of went out the window and he completely forgot um, his improvements um, so hopefully it's not a repeat of Suzuka in that aspect.
1: Yeah, I hope so, because I've always been a big fan of Checo and I hate seeing him in this massive slump that he's currently in at the moment. I think what we're ultimately seeing here, Lee, is that Perez just doesn't have that natural adaptability that Max Verstappen has or Lewis Hamilton or Fernando Alonso or Lando Norris or even Charles Leclerc, for example, have. And is really struggling as a result of it, because as this car, as a lot of people have pointed out to us, has been heavily favouring towards Max Verstappen's driving style, and of course it's always going to be that way, because he's the number one driver, he's their best bet, Red Bull are always going to develop this car to suit Max's needs more than Checo's needs, Perez has really not been able to adapt to how this car feels, and it's become increasingly difficult for him to handle it, and it really frustrated me, to see that frustration from Perez in his driving and some of the stuff he was doing, you know, in Singapore and in Japan when he was just driving into other drivers and bumping into him like it was nothing. I just thought it, it's just getting silly. So maybe something like this will be a good thing for him going forward. Um, he certainly needs to have a strong finish to the season. But um, I mean, what do you think is going to be on his mind this weekend? Lee? If you were Sergio Perez, what would you want to? What would you consider to be a satisfactory result this weekend?
0: Well, a satisfactory result will obviously um, be winning for him winning um, all the events, but um, I think really as it's very unlikely he's going to beat Max the title, borrowing some miraculous accident or not miraculous. It's the wrong word, but terrible um, fortune to Max. Um, He needs to secure P2. That's what Red Bull want. That's what they want to get their first one to in the Drivers' Championship. And to do that, Sergio should be finishing on the podium. That should be the minimum satisfactory result he should be aiming for um, every weekend with the car he's got.
1: Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, Probably couldn't agree even more in that regard. But um, I mean, the reason why we talk about this with Red Bull, because obviously news came out recently that... Uh, Alpha Tauri had announced the driver lineup for next season was going to be Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricciardo. Liam Lawson missing out, and of course, we'll get into that in a moment. Our thoughts on that one, but it does seem to me that the logic behind this decision obviously falls with Red Bull making this decision for them, but ultimately, they see Ricciardo as the number one option to potentially replace Perez, whether that be midpoint in 2024, like they did with Nick De Vries, obviously replacing him or in 2025. And a lot of people, ourselves included, have been a bit disappointed that Liam Lawson has not been given an opportunity to drive in the car next season. But I think what it just tells us is that Red Bull need more information on Daniel Ricciardo to make sure that if they do want to put him in that car, and Perez is continuing to underperform as he has done this season, they, this is the only option they have. I think if they put Liam Lawson in that car alongside Yuki Sonoda, Red Bull surely have to commit to Perez or look elsewhere outside the team.
0: Yeah, I think for Red Bull, they've decided that it's very much back to the future for them. Um Max has a very good... Well, I mean, for the management side of things, it's quite bad. But he has a very good ability to destroy his teammates, which... Um, completely ruins their confidence um, just because he's just that good um, and having a teammate of that caliber it, it does really get to the driver's uh, mental state and happy spot of where they obviously can deliver the best results and Sergio has slowly deteriorated over his seasons being alongside Max as probably as that effect has built in and, and built up over the seasons so I think Red Bull have already decided that the future is not with Sergio be it if, as you said, he goes mid season or he goes at the end of the season, he I doubt he's going to be there in 25. Um, and it's all about Daniel. And obviously, they may have a problem if they deem Daniel not good enough and they haven't he if he's not the driver he was when he left. They may have a problem because I don't think there's another driver that can r- right now be a good teammate against Max. Um, uh, which is really where they're going to be seeing themselves that. Um, that they really need to have such a good number, solid number two.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And as I said already, uh, I think this is a decision that they've made thinking about potentially mid-season 24 or 2025, quite frankly. I think if they didn't plan to promote either of the AlphaTauri drivers into that Red Bull seat, I'm pretty certain they'll probably go with Liam Norsen. Uh, If you don't go with Ricardo, then that's pretty much his F1 career over in that regard. Or unless another team miraculously takes him on, like perhaps Williams, for example, who still currently have a seat, at their team, um, you, you kind of end up in a position where they really much, they have to take him on or just don't bother. So it's a tough one for Liam Lawson. I personally, I think Liam has done a very, very good job. I think all, with all respect to Yuki Tsunoda, I think Liam Lawson has outperformed him in the races that they have competed in together. If you um, amalgamate all of their performances um, together, it doesn't take anything away from what Yuki has done at the start of the season. But I think you, you and I agree, Lee, that Yuki Sonoda was never even considered by Red Bull for a seat uh, with the senior team. Obviously, you know, a Honda driver and with Red Bull looking to distance themselves away from that with Honda being a part of Aston Martin. There isn't really an option for Yuki Sonoda to be trusted enough to drive in that car alongside Max Verstappen going forward. So you're almost left with a situation where it's either Ricardo or you have to look elsewhere.
0: Yeah, it's very much a Ricardo or elsewhere, um, and they know our rebel know that any other driver elsewhere is secured in a long term contract that is not available, um, and the timeframes they're looking at, um, or they're going to have to pay out a lot of money to out buy contracts. Which I mean, no team wants to pay out that kind of money um, if they can avoid it. So it may be a stopgap measure. But they, they, they don't have any other option apart from Daniel, um, which is why I said is if Daniel's not good enough, they're really going to be stumped to who who they can have alongside uh, Max um, in the midterm future.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's only a couple of races. And of course, we'll get an opportunity to see Daniel Ricardo once he recovers from injury. Of course, we're not going to see him this weekend. I know there were rumours saying he might... But because it's a sprint weekend, despite the fact that he was doing okay in the sim in terms of his lap time and his numbers were good, he still wasn't 100% comfortable driving on the sim. And I'm pretty sure Red Bull wanted to give him an FP1 outing, but because it's a sprint weekend, if Liam Lawson doesn't drive an FP1, he's got no practice time before sprint quality and then the sprint race, and he won't get any practice time until FP2 before the race on Sunday. So it wasn't really practical to have him in that car. So from what we understand... Liam Lawson's going to be driving this weekend, and then he will hand over to Daniel Ricciardo in Austin in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so, yeah, you, you got to feel for Liam Lawson, but obviously he's got that option for 2025. I can understand why Red Bull have done that. I think we've pretty much laid out why they've done that, because they need to establish this potential route for Ricciardo to come in. And as we said already, if Ricciardo's numbers are good enough, even though he's not one of those drivers that I would consider to be adaptable. So this will not be an easy car for him to handle. But given the nature and the characteristics of the Red Bull and how they like to set up their cars, it does give Ricardo a better chance at being able to get the most out of this car to do the job that Red Bull require as a number two driver than perhaps someone like Sergio Perez is at the moment.
0: Yeah, Sergio's definitely struggling with driving that car. and, And obviously Daniel recent history has struggled to drive another car. Um, but he will probably get a better performance at of the Red Bull. Um, and hey, he may feel like he have, will have a shot of obviously winning championship, but obviously every driver wants to be in the fastest car. And when Daniel, or if Daniel gets into that Red Bull, he may obviously go with it. The expectation that he can fight Max and he can win the championship which is obviously still is his goal he doesn't want to be the goal of being a just number 2 driver he will want to win the championship so he's aim is obviously to be in the fastest car which is still going to be the the Red Bull
1: yeah absolutely and there's a lot of reasons not necessarily just the driving why Red Bull would want Ricardo back in their car if of course he is quick enough so we'll have to wait and see but that does seem to we be where they're leaning at the moment So I guess we'll just have to see how things play out towards the back end of this season and, of course, the first half, at least, of 2024. Definitely one to keep an eye on. Let's move on to the next topic of discussion, and it is the fight for P2. Now, at the moment, as it stands in the Constructors' Championship, we have Mercedes leading the way on 305 points, and they've pretty much been leading this battle since the Spanish Grand Prix. Ferrari, the team that we all expected at the start of the season to be comfortably in P2, are currently third, nipping at the heels of Mercedes at the moment, and 20 points behind, and then of course we've got Aston Martin and McLaren quite a bit further back, realistically not probably not in that battle for P2 anymore, but of course you certainly can't rule McLaren out at least, but in terms of Mercedes and Ferrari, Lee, uh, the form of late has been very much swung in Ferrari's favour, and because of this upturn in form and the fact that we are getting to that point in the season now where both teams, I'd imagine, are very much focused 100% on next year's car, it does mean that we could end up with quite the finale, even though it's not going to be for P1 in this championship, between two of the biggest teams in the sport right now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a hotly contested position for that P2. Spot obviously, as you said, Ferrari's had an uptick in form, and the drivers on both teams are generally hitting quite high. Um out of the four, I would unfortunately say George is probably the underperforming out of the four drivers, um, which is not only disservice to George, but it just shows you how close that fight is at the moment between the those four drivers.
1: Yeah, it's a very big contrast at the moment. I think it kind of ties into the conversations that we've had quite a lot this season about who actually currently has the best driver partnership. And in terms of ultimate pace, Mercedes probably edge it with Hamilton and Russell. I mean, I think out of the four, George Russell is probably fourth in that regard. But Hamilton is definitely first out of the four. Um, and then, of course, we've got that nice balance with Leclerc and Sainz, P2 and P3. And I'll, I'll let you guys in the comments make your own minds up over which one of those two is P2 and P3. But all jokes aside, um, it's such a close battle. Ferrari have been nipping away at Mercedes. I don't think it's necessarily just about car performance where Ferrari have found some gains and understood their car better. So they've been able to get more out of it. But I think there's a pair when... The two drivers from each team have come together on the same piece of track. Ferrari, as a collective, seem to be able to handle these situations between their drivers much better than Mercedes do at the moment. In terms of the fact that um, both Mercedes drivers are always scrapping at each other and there's always arguments about who are they fighting. George Russell's words, of course, in the Japanese Grand Prix. Ferrari, on the other hand... Yes, there are moments where, of course, they have the same thing, but at the same time, they don't really scrap too much between each other, if at all. And usually the way the races pan out, the strategies kind of sort out that battle for them rather than the Mercedes drivers who always seem to be on each other throughout the distance of the race.
0: Yeah, um, we, Ferrari have focused a lot on their weaknesses and I think they've made some big improvements in their tyre management, which is where I think a lot of their recent gains have come from. Um but they, as Ferrari, they're not making as many mistakes as they made earlier in the season regarding strategy or drivers or uh, pit stop. But they, they, they're they always either splitting their strategies or one driver is not so comfortable in the other type. So they always end up, as you said, in different parts of the track. They, apart from Monza, where they had the very risky uh, fight towards the end of the race, um, they, they're always in different parts. Or they... They're not afraid to use team orders, where Mercedes really don't like using team orders, where they can avoid it. Obviously, there was the whole discussion about DRS last time out, if they should use it or not. And and the Mercedes decided to force that through as a team order. But Mercedes really don't like using team orders, um, where Ferrari are happy to use it if they think it's going to benefit them as a result.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, there is a bit of gamesmanship going on particularly at Mercedes at the moment. I think Monza is a prime example with Ferrari where the two drivers were going for that podium, but there wasn't any sort of bad blood on the radio or complaining or moaning. They were just fighting each other. Um, If anything, it was just the fans, myself included, watching on, thinking, what on earth are these two doing here? If they'd been it, then, well, I mean, you can only imagine what would have happened if they'd have done that. But Mercedes, it seems to be every single week with Hamilton-Russell. And you mentioned splitting the strategies... Even though Mercedes are trying to do that with these two, they still find each other on the same piece of track almost every single race right now. So it really does make you wonder, are Mercedes in a position where they're in they're in danger of not being able to consolidate P2 because their drivers are more interested in playing the game to suit their own ends rather than suit the needs of the team, whereas Ferrari at the moment, I mean, look at Singapore, for example, Charles Leclerc, Basically sacrifices a chance at P two to make sure that Signs finishes um, wins the race, and it, it came to pass. When does Leclerc ever do that when he's trying to fight for wins himself? Very rarely. So it does for me. It shows right now that the Mercedes drivers do seem to be fighting for their own ends rather than that of the team. Whereas Ferrari, their guys do seem to be playing the team game at the moment.
0: Yeah, I would say they're playing more of a team game at the moment. Um, but on the, on the Singapore reference, i got a feeling Charles wasn't um, privy to the information that he was the sacrifice until later in, no, in the race. Of course, of <laughs> course. Of but radio, think... His radio message. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't too keen on that once the team told him.
1: No, uh, they told him that. But of course, you know, he, he wasn't complaining or whinging about yeah. that. I think he just got a point that was like, you know what? We've just got to crack on with it because Signs is winning and and Leclerc sees the bigger picture. What what I'm suggesting, um, and I probably should have phrased this better, is, you know, if you're fighting for a world championship, like Hamilton and Rosberg were, for example, I can totally understand why the drivers are not going to care about what the team wants. They're going to focus on what they want to do. And, And that's how it should be. But when you're fighting for P2 in the constructors, neither of you are anywhere near the world championship fight surely it makes more sense to work together rather than against each other um, in order to make sure they get that job done. Because if they're not careful, Ferrari could nick P2 off of them.
0: Yeah, um, uh, on that, I, I, I do agree. Is, uh, the, that gamership could come back to haunt Mercedes. Obviously, the it's the whole political fight of who's the number one in Mercedes. Is it, the, is it Lewis's team or is it George's team as the, up, the up-and-coming star um, which direction they want to develop the car, um, and it, the thing, and it's I for me, I think Ferrari will probably beat Mercedes two p two. I think right now they're uptick in form, um, and you said the driver harmony will will beat um, beat Mercedes um, over the rest of the season, but it would definitely be a close fight.
1: It's very close at the moment. Only twenty points between the two. Ferrari's form has been very, very good at late. And uh, it's certainly not out of the question for them to get that. And I think if they were to get that, I think they'd be pretty happy given how dire the earlier parts of the season has been. As I said with Mercedes, they'll be very disappointed if they relinquish P2 after having it for so long and looking like the best of the rest at the moment. But we'll have to wait and see. A quick one on Aston Martin and McLaren. This one, of course, is gathering pace as well. McLaren only 49 points behind Aston Martin which does seem like a lot but McLaren are the high scoring team at the moment in the second half of the season after Red Bull of course and more specifically Max Verstappen if you want to go that far and uh, right now Lee we have McLaren looking like the best of the rest and I'd be very surprised if that wasn't the case this weekend as well against Aston Martin who are literally scrapping right now with Fernando Alonso to get a championship point and Stroll is absolutely nowhere so I think even though the points deficit between the two is much larger than what we see between Mercedes and Ferrari, I feel even more convinced that McLaren are going to pass Aston Martin than I would do Ferrari passing Mercedes.
0: Yeah, uh, for me, right now, McLarens are generally fighting Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, where Aston Martin are fighting Alpine. They're slightly faster than Alpine, but they're slowly falling into the clutches of performance-wise of the Alpine land and not Obviously, uh, anywhere near on the constructors points, but this the it's the ninth and tenth position on the, ch- the championship, which is just in the constructors points uh, at the end of a race, which is one or two points on a normal weekend. And the McLarens getting tens of points that with the amount of races we have got left, it's it really should be a, a slam dunk for McLaren to barring a nightmare of a few weekends to overhaul that difference.
1: Yeah I mean we can say what we want to say about Aston Martin and their decline in the second half of the season and I'm sure that they will have plenty to learn from this experience but the reality is is they only ever had one driver capitalizing on the performance of the car when it was good and then you had Lance Stroll okay he was recovering from injury but there was we heard so many different lines from Aston Martin this season Lee that as, uh, that, um, Stroll had recovered he's back to himself again I think it was as far as Monaco where they said he was back to full strength again and full performance and he really hasn't been able to get on top of this car or extract anywhere near the performance level that they require from him and I think that when we look back on the end of this season if Aston Martin end up finished in P5 it's going to look very bad on Lance Stroll as a driver I can't help but feel injury aside his stock has fallen quite significantly this season
0: yeah, I, I think it's taken quite a battering. He's obviously not had a lot uh, or the highest of um, opinion in the sport regarding his calibre as a driver, but he's been slowly chipping at it, proving why he deserves to be in the sport. Obviously, he's had his pole positions. He's had some really good races. And this season, I think, is completely undone all that hard work he's done over the last few years.
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, Some more good news for McLaren, of course, they announced that after years of planning, preparation and construction, their words on their social media, the new wind tunnel at the McLaren Technology Centre is now up and running. Now, Lee, that is obviously fantastic news for McLaren, a team historically have been very much used to uh, borrowing wind tunnels, of course, famously borrowing the Toyota wind tunnel in Cologne for many, many years. And of course, it did contribute to a lot of their success but how significant is it now that mclaren have a very much state of the art technology wind tunnel back at their factory ready to help them in their 2024 campaign
0: i i think it's very um important for the team obviously they they are what the th- third most successful constructor in the sport yeah, just the after t- williams
1: tied with mercedes at the moment with a constructors championships, which seems remarkable given how long Mercedes have been in the sport, or at least in the modern era at least.
0: Um and so they they are they're up there as constructors, but they just haven't got the uh, the facilities of the current top teams, which they obviously believe that they've got the legacy well, they had the legacy, but they believe they should be up there with the top team regarding how they were even a decade ago. or maybe not twenty thirteen, but twenty twelve. Eleven years ago. Um they they were so really up there as a team and where they may finish uh, this year, be it 4th or 5th, where the performance of their car, where they're selling their car, having that wind tunnel. And then we're obviously with the, the ATR race going into next year, it gives them a really strong place to be going into next year, where to develop their car with all that lovely, juicy time that they get in their own tunnel. I think it gives, gives them that really, uh, really Big edge over other teams that other teams may look envious on them. Going, I wish I had that that amount of time.
1: Well, I mean, F one is an arms race, of course, and it's always important to have the latest technology at any point in time. And this is really going to help McLaren. Of course, it's at a point in the season where it's only going to be so useful for them for twenty twenty four. Because let's not forget, of course, with new technology of this significance or this magnitude, if you like, there's always going to be a calibration period. Yeah. and they're obviously going to have to get used to things at the moment and obviously how that works for them. In terms of how significant this is going to be for the 2024 car, we're kind of at a period this season where a lot of the, the groundwork and a lot of the foundations have already been set on what they're going to do, and that would have been established with the old wind tunnel. So it's more 2025 and beyond where this is really going to kick in for McLaren. And of course, developments in season for 2024 is going to be important too. But as you said, Lee, incredibly important for McLaren to get this up and running. And given how things have developed for them in 2024, in 2023, I should say, the action that they've taken, there are a lot of people that genuinely feel that McLaren right now are best place to challenge Red Bull in 2024. And I, for one, can't really argue against that at the moment. Everything is looking good for McLaren. Their two drivers are great. And obviously, they're going to be getting better and better because they're so young. Probably at similar stages in their overall motorsport career, despite Lando being quite a bit more experienced than F1. And the team are on form. The team is going to get stronger and stronger with new personnel coming, of course, from rival teams. And all the facilities are starting to take shape. It it does feel that after years of falling behind their rivals, McLaren are Finally catching up and could be a force to be reckoned with again.
0: Yeah, it's definitely um, the the future looking bright for the the McLaren Formula One team as a whole. I personally just hope that the court cool case that they've got with Alex Palau doesn't distract them in the um, the coming months as they try and secure P four in the championship.
1: Yeah, of course, that is uh, a little bit of a tidbit in the background, but of course we'll have to uh, wait and see how that develops. I don't imagine it's going to be too significant or of an impact, but it's uh, it's an unwanted distraction otherwise from a team that is doing very very well at the moment and things are looking very very rosy at the McLaren Technology Center in Woking, of course. Now heading into the Qatar Grand Prix this weekend, we already talked about the sprint race. We're going back to the Lasardi Circuit. This weekend uh, we went there last year, of course, because of the Qatar World Cup going on at a similar time. Uh, I'm ex- I'm expecting a good race this weekend, to some degree, a similar one to what we saw in Suzuka. I imagine in terms of how people are going to perform. But one thing we should talk about are the track limits, Lee. And you forwarded this article to me, um, and it's regarding a new solution that's being trialed this weekend at Qatar. Um, with concrete slabs on the outside, and they're going to be coloured in... Uh, is it maroon or brown? which uh, Someone will have to correct me what the exact colour shading is on the Qatar flag, but in that particular colour as well, to match up with the nation's flag. But it's to help the stewards' um, police track limits a little bit better. And uh, I believe they're a little bit more abrasive as well on the yeah. outside. So th- the idea is they're meant to act as road-like gravel traps you know we always see the artificial astroturf and drivers always take liberties with those driving over it and i think we saw a lot of that during the guitar grand prix in 21 this season they're replacing those outside areas with those concrete slabs that are going to be quite abrasive and it's going to serve as a deterrent for drivers to stop driving off the track limits so as an ideally what are your thoughts on that do you think is a good idea or uh, or well what are your thoughts
0: well firstly i, I think it's a good idea that as a circuit venue or as Formula One or the FIA, I don't know obviously what's going on behind the scenes about whose idea it was, but it's good to see that the sport is trying to come up with a solution regarding track limits and not just wash the hands of it and go, well, it is what it is. It's not, it's not my problem. Um We just keep giving the penalties. So the fact that they're trying to find a solution or someone is trying to find a solution, I think is good for the sport. Um, so hopefully it works and they commit, if it, it does work it's obviously a good thing that could potentially be implemented other circuits who don't want to build gravel traps because obviously the LaSalle circuit is shared with MotoGP and AFC is concerned about gravel traps isn't very good for the motorbikes so other circuits that have the same sharing arrangements with other formulas or um, they can obviously use it if it works I really do hope it works for the intended purposes and it's not just one of those brilliant ideas, um, like the slow down paint that they had in the French GP, that <laughs> didn't really do much um, once it was actually uh, in use. So uh, hopefully, it is a, a better reality than that uh, trial or experiment.
1: Yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking as well. So we'll just have to wait and see how that all pans out. Um, but let me know your thoughts, guys. Do you um, on that because? You know, the stuff with stewards at the moment is quite contentious after what went down at Singapore, not policing. Uh, Blocking, I think is probably the best way to put it, in the way that they should have done. They admitted that they'd made a mistake. Arguments and, and, and people on social media have been suggesting that they should have the same stewards every single Grand Prix. Me personally, I don't see a problem in that at all. But of course, that does open up a different can of worms as to if the stewards are wrong once, do you want them continuing at other races? So it's a hot topic of debate and I'm sure we'll probably hear more about it throughout the rest of this season uh, regarding the stewards uh, as a, well, how they represent the sport really and and, and what the, the job that they're currently doing um, so let's move on to, uh, well thoughts on what's going to go down this weekend Lee, uh, as I said already this was a circuit that we saw a lot of abrasiveness a lot of tyre failures i think we got four tyre failures in the race in 2021 the tyres are a little bit more uh robust i suppose than they were in 2021 although the cars produce much more load than they did then so i mean what are we expecting in terms of the race itself Are team's going to equally struggle this season with tyres around this circuit or will they have learned their lesson and they'll be able to push a bit harder than they had done
0: uh I've got a feeling they've resurfaced parts of the track as well. Um, so I They think have.
1: Yeah, I think they have.
0: Um, I think it's going to be a complete surprise on the tyre management. Obviously, it's going to be hot because just of where it is. Um, so the parts have been resurfaced. I, I think all the, basically all the data they've got from previous years is not going to matter just because of the parts that have been resurfaced. Um, so it's going to be... P1 is going to have, have so much importance because obviously... In the sprint weekend already, but because of the change in track conditions from previous data, limited data because it's only been a couple of years. Um, I have obviously the, the teams obviously going to have to be pounding out their mileage in MP1 as best as much as they can.
1: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, it sounds interesting. I'm expecting a similar weekend to Suzuka in terms of overall performance, I said that a few times already, but uh. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how the ties hold up this weekend. Speaking of our predictions for this weekend, of course, this brings us to the part of the show that we do towards the end of our preview. And that is our predictions. And of course, we have set categories. If you are familiar with what we do in our predictions and we do our best to try and demonstrate that we have some level of wheel knowledge. And of course, we have a bold prediction at the end of it. And the first category that we do for these predictions is the best surprise. Now, this is the driver or the team that we think will provide the best positive surprise of the weekend. So, in the interest of fairness, I'm going to allow you to go first. Who is going to be your best surprise this weekend?
0: My best surprise this weekend is going to be Alex Albon. Um, I like it. The this nature of this circuit is generally a lot higher speed than last time out in Suzuka. Suzuka has a, quite a few slow parts of track, which just does not suit the Williams whatsoever But because it's more of a high-speed high nature circuit, which we've seen several times this year, that Williams really does like to go fast, especially under Alex's hands. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, the best surprise uh, this, year, this weekend.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm probably going to go with Esteban Ocon this weekend. I think he's been he went quite well in in Japan to a certain degree, and I think he's going to be quite strong here as well. I I don't think there's really much more for me to say other than him. I think Alpine have very much gone under the radar. I think because they've slotted in this um in this kind of no man's land position, really. That yeah, Alpine land, pretty much. that's the best way to describe it. Uh, sick fast is pretty much everywhere at the moment and uh, but the drivers are still pulling out some good results despite that and I think Ocon will have a, another strong weekend here in Qatar um, if I remember rightly well Alpine did get a podium actually although that was Fernando Alonso so I uh, can't really credit them too much with that one unfortunately without crediting Fernando so uh, we will move on who is going to be our flop of the weekend Lee? Um, Logan Sargent isn't it?
0: Yeah, for me, it's Logan a complete contrast to my predictions with the the flop and the best surprise. But yeah, definitely uh, Logan, I'm afraid.
1: It's a tough one because I really want to see him do well. And and James Vowles recently, after the Japanese Grand Prix, came out in defense of Logan Sargent and was saying, look, you know, this is a process, this is a journey, we have to be patient. He was performing just as well as Alex Albon was at one point in the weekend with an inferior car because, of course, Alex was getting the more updated parts. And I can't help but feel that after seeing that and hearing what James had to say, it does seem like Williams are intending to keep Logan Sargent on despite the fact that he has had quite a lot of crashes this season. And I don't know, what do you think, Lee? Were you surprised as I was when... You heard James Vowles talking about Logan Sargent in such a glowing such a glowing manner, I guess.
0: Um, I it makes me wonder regarding any backroom financial deals. Obviously, Williams has a history in the past of pay management. Uh paid drivers, not paid management, well, obviously the management are paid anyway, but paid drivers. Um but it's so it's wonder if part of that is carried on with the team mantra, but obviously with the new owners. Relatively new owners, could have been there a few years now. with Dorilton, if they they've got some deals in the band or about having an American driver or um, Logan, especially. So it's a wait and see. I'm not sure on performance. He's done enough to deserve his seat, but the talk from the team is obviously uh, positive of Logan.
1: Yeah, we haven't really heard anyone else seriously linked with that seat either. So, which suggests to me that it looks very likely right now that Logan Sargent is going to be driving in the Williams for next season. And technically speaking, we will end up having an unchanged grid next season. I mean, if you think about it, I know people will say, you know, Nick DeVries started the season, but if we take the fact that Ricardo was in their seat midpoint and has been the, the, the driver at Alpha Tauri throughout that period, of course, you know, with the exception of Liam Lawson replacing him when he was injured, technically, we, this would be the first time F1 in 74 years hasn't had a driver change um, from one season to the next technically I don't know if that would actually count but uh, for the reasons I've just suggested some people probably we will count that so uh, yeah rather interesting that there's been no driver changes in the off season. of course that's probably the best way I can put it but uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, with Logan Sargent pole position so I'm going to neglect the sprint element to this because I think I'm going to go with Max to win both the well, the win the sprint race at least and get sprint pole. Um, do you have any
0: objection to that, Lee? No, no, I completely agree with that.
1: Perfect. Right, let's move on to pole position for the main race then, rather than do predictions for the other two categories. Uh, who's on pole position for you, Lee, for the main race on Sunday?
0: Uh, Max Verstappen.
1: Yep, same here, Max Verstappen. Race winner. Now I'm going to go to you first. Is Max Verstappen going to make it a clean sweep this weekend?
0: I believe so, because I'm going for Maxwell Verstappen.
1: I'm going to go bold. Ooh. I'm going to say Lando Norris.
0: Ooh, juicy.
1: Yeah, I, do you know what? I was thinking, like, this is my bold prediction, of course, if you haven't realised either, guys. And, of course, if you're new to this, we do a bold prediction at the end. But given the fact that we are predicting a different race winner, I think that's bold enough. But, um, yeah, this guy's been so close to winning races, and he's been phenomenal. I only think it's a matter of time... He was very strong at Suzuka. Okay, he wasn't able to compete with Max. But I've just got a funny feeling something might not go right for Max at this race. And maybe Lando might be close enough to penalise him and punish him and capitalise on it to take the win for himself. He certainly deserves a little bit of luck in that regard. Um, You know, it's always P2, P2 at the moment. Hopefully he will get his day, but we'll have to wait and see. I would certainly love to see it. And I'm sure a lot of people... Um, maybe even Max Verstappen wouldn't mind seeing Lando Norris, one of his best friends, go out and get the W this weekend.
0: Well, if uh, Lando does happen to win and Max is on the podium, I wonder if Max will break his trophy just to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Lando Norris would guard that with his life. I think uh, he'd probably look at Max and go, when I've won 50-odd races or something crazy like what Max has done already, maybe you can break one or two of them. But uh, certainly not the first one. Um, that's always the one you'll remember the most. Uh, the podium now. So, going to be interestingly, but uh, I'm going to come to you first. I have a funny feeling where you're going with this, um, but I'll let you spell it out to our audience.
0: Well, the, as you've already done your bold prediction, I'm going to do mine, but my bold will be it's uh, Lando P2 and Oscar P3.
1: Yeah, I I, I would it's definitely accept that. I know you did that last time out, yep. but I still think a double McLaren podium is rather bold enough. So yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm going to have two McLarens on the podium, but of course, Lando P1, uh, Max P2, and Oscar P3 for my podium. And uh, it, it's so nice to see Oscar Piastri get that first podium so early in his career. It could release the shackles, but he's been very much on the heels of his teammate. And as I said, Lando has... Had the upgrades. Oscar had them last time out. He becomes a bit more familiar with them. We may see a more competitive Oscar Piastri this weekend than just a lonely P3. have to wait and see. Uh, That's a team dynamic that's going to get interesting in the coming years, of course. Best of the rest. So this is the best finisher that isn't currently driving a Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes or Aston Martin. Although in a way, we probably could take Aston Martin out of that. But we won't do just yet I, I said Ocon was going to be the best surprise this weekend, in my opinion. I'm going to stick with that and say Esteban Ocon's best of the rest. What about you, Lee?
0: Ocon, for me, is going to be best of the rest as well, Adam.
1: Fair enough? Not not feeling Pierre Gasly, no, platonically?
0: I think, I think Ocon is uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's on a good streak of form in that Alpine at the moment, and that Alpine land is, as I said earlier, is getting closer to Aston Martin world and... Um, that's it I, I think Auckland's going to be the uh the best of the rest
1: yeah it's a real fall from grace isn't it for Aston Martin this season where at one point they were challenging even Red Bull to a certain degree and leading everybody else and yet now Fernando Alonso is complaining on the radio about being fed to the Lions when he's trying to fend off the Alpines it's um something he probably wouldn't have enjoyed given how good this season has started but uh it does feel like such a long time ago since this season started. I don't know if it's just me, but it does feel like it's been a long season. Um, well, we've already done our bowl predictions, so I think we're probably better off leaving it there, quite frankly. But uh, let us know your thoughts, guys. Get your predictions in the YouTube comment section. Of course, if you listen to this on your favourite audio platform after giving us a five-star review, of course, if you think we're worthy, head over to the YouTube channel type in dnf1 let us know your predictions in the comment section of course the same goes to you lovely lot watch this on youtube as well but of course don't forget to like the video subscribe to the youtube channel and um until next time guys i think that's we're going to have to leave it there but thanks for tuning in as always stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 take care
0: Podcast Network.